Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. We'll just get this out of the way. What's the worst side at Thanksgiving? I already know what Brunts' answer is going to be, so we'll start with BC. Um, Any sort of, like, cranberry dish? Not because I... Uh... Not because I just hate cranberries, I don't, but it, it always runs in all the other stuff. It, you know, it gets in your potatoes, it gets in your turkey, and I don't think it adds something good to the equation. Turkey's overrated too, um, but I, I'll accept it because it's its day. But uh, cranberry sauce, cranberry whatever the dish is, that whoever, whatever your aunt makes, that, that usually is not good. Yeah, I don't know that I... I don't know that my general Thanksgiving experience has had a lot of cranberry in it. So it's been pretty easy for Good. me to, to avoid that for the most part. Brunts? Uh, anything with sweet potato is a no-go for me. Um, I, that, that's not just a Thanksgiving rule of thumb. I can sometimes do sweet potato fries, but in general, sweet potatoes are... Um, Too sweet. They're like the water of Thanksgiving sides. <laughs> Right. The, the the other one that – where do you guys come down on gravy? Love gravy. I don't really use gravy. You guys, do you guys break out the gravy boat like I do? Oh, yeah. That's like the one time a year <laughs> where you get that little – ours is big. Like it's a, it's a big gravy boat. Well, Not, look at you. It's like a barge. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like the barge of gravy boats. And – fill that sucker to the brim and just smear it all over everything. Just like a big gravy slop fest. You're going to need a bigger gravy boat. Yeah. You're going to need a bigger gravy boat. Do you you hold the boat up and you're just sort of like circling it? Like it's a giant thing of pancakes. Yeah. It's a performance. It's like flair bartending. You know, when they get (laughs) to like the sparklers and stuff out, that's kind of how it is with the gravy pouring. Wow. Yeah. I think the biggest key of the whole meal um, is I get, you get the butter on your, you got to get butter on your potatoes that you put the gravy on top of that melts it in. And you got to kind of gently, at least this is how I do it. Take your knife and sort of like kind of dab at your potatoes to get it around, but you don't want to get your knife all messed up with the potatoes and take that off. That's a challenge to get the butter on the potatoes and do that. Right. And if I get that part, the meal is going to soar. Are you a BC? It sounds like you're a big proponent of food shouldn't touch food. Um, I kind of, yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel that way. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to. There should be law and order on your plate. Saying <laughs> everyone should know there shouldn't be any spatial awareness issues. Yeah, I mean, I, I gotta be careful. This day and age, I don't know. Anything can get you in trouble. But I guess I'm kind of like that. Yeah, I kind of don't think. I don't think the turkeys and the potatoes, uh, the turkey and potatoes go together, but everything else needs to keep its distance. Um, it's difficult. And then uh, do you guys, when you get the olive tray, do you just take like four or five olives and just like eat them real quick? And that's that. That's what I, 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 I put them on my fingers like rings. <laughs> I don't do that really. The, the, the kids would like that. Yeah, no, I used to do that when I was a kid. I used to I used to put the put the olives on the fingers. Your dad, your dad, your kids might enjoy that. You should try that. Yeah. 
Schaefer's oh, shaking sure. his head, but I'm going like this with like <laughs> 10 olives. <laughs> what, what are you like? Why are olives being served? I don't I don't even really understand here. There's a particular dish in my family and, and not, I'm not talking food dish. I'm talking like actual plate, like the dish. It's like a relish plate. You've got mm -hmm. olives. There's like generally some kind of celery with like a smeared like pimento cheese dip in there. Uh, sometimes pickles, like the little gherkins. Yep. 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 It's like There's a veggie that's not, tray. That's not exclusive to Thanksgiving though. That's like a lot of different, that's like any formal gathering. You're getting olives, the gherkins and the, the whatever, whatever smeared in the, uh, in the celery there. I don't know I'm how you do celery. stuff in Columbus. I don't know how you do yeah. stuff in Columbus, but the big city, big city, we have an olive tray. Yeah. <laughs> down here, down here in the concrete jungle, we do an olive tray. <laughs> I, uh, look, if there's an olive tray, I'm nowhere near it. The, uh, the general vegetable tray has the celery and, and all the, the finger picking stuff that you would want to use with the dip. That's all right there. But, uh, I didn't realize olives were so big in your guys' Thanksgiving. I mean, it must be a must be a pepperwood thing, I guess. The uh, I, I believe the Italian pilgrims brought those over from the old country. <laughs> and it's, it's well documented. Yeah, I think it, it's been well well documented. You always undersell the the just different uh, pilgrims and and really how varied they were inside that one subset of culture you the, know the first thanksgiving featured prominently featured olives and cannoli somebody brought cannoli <laughs> just a bunch of pepperoni on everything too <laughs> i had prosciutto on everything all right we've uh we've wasted enough time on thanksgiving and we hope everyone is enjoying their thanksgiving as you might possibly be listening to this while avoiding family members and we we respect that. We respect you'd rather spend time with us talking about a three and eight, or excuse me, yeah, three and eight football team. Uh, and we're going to get a little basketball talk in as well. We'll probably have some thoughts on a bunch of other things involving Nebraska athletics too throughout the course of this podcast. But hopefully, everyone enjoying your Thanksgiving. All right, let's uh, let's let's do the Wisconsin game first, and then we'll get into to Iowa week. BC, you were out there at least on my television, I thought Nebraska played a, a pretty good game. I mean, I obviously they didn't come away with a win. It's yet another one-score loss. They had an opportunity to score late. Didn't All the certain narratives and things that we already know going in. But for as many people that were trying to convince me that this was going to be the, the dam breakage and that Nebraska couldn't hang in with a Wisconsin team that looks like it's going to win the Big Ten West, I thought they showed up, played really well with – nothing really to play for other than just pride. And I think that's a good thing for Nebraska. It's the, uh, oddly enough, the best defense in the big 10 West is the one that <clears throat> Scott Frost offense always looks the most, the best against, or is kind of fun against. And it's just a tough matchup for Wisconsin. And I like that Nebraska from the first play on offense was like, we're throwing it down the field on you. And that's, that's how we're going to attack y'all game. And they really didn't get away from that. Um, throughout, even when Adrian suffered the injury, uh, which now has him out for the season and perhaps ended his Husker career. So I thought they played pretty well on offense. I actually thought the pass pro was better than it's been. I know the tackles had some bad holding calls, and that's very much a work in progress going into next year. Uh, but for who they were going against, I thought, I thought the O-line did okay. 
Um, so I can't argue with that side of the ball. I guess the disappointment comes on, uh, you know, obviously special teams, but defense, I would have loved to have seen that game play out, um, you know, with Damian Daniels fully healthy and, and some of those guys that are no longer in the equation. I think you saw how much they missed Deontay Williams at safety um, and how much of a question mark that could still be going forward. So, I mean, people wanted to see some younger guys and they're seeing them and they're going to see them Friday. And that's a good thing in a way, but I'll tell you what, I don't know. It might've cost Nebraska a win in Madison and we'll see if it cost them on Friday. As some of those guys learn on kind of, you know, walking through the fire. Bruns, what'd you see? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I appreciated the aggressiveness of the offense. It, it felt like a little bit of a, uh, a little bit more closely to that no fear of failure idea. I, I like that they they definitely had Wisconsin on their heels at times. I was surprised, I guess, and maybe I shouldn't have been, but it, that that was the first game in the second half of the season where it seemed like Nebraska's defense was really kind of feeling the cumulative effects of having basically carried the team the entire season. Um, you know, Wisconsin, Braylon Allen's a fantastic back, but – you didn't see the type of bus that you did against Wisconsin. You didn't see the the guys running free like you did. And, you know, they, they played well enough to keep Nebraska in the game, but I, I guess I, I was a little bit, uh, a little bit disappointed on that side of the ball. I felt like they, they, they could have stood up a little bit better to Wisconsin's run run offense. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, Brian said last week that he thought that they would lose to Wisconsin and beat Iowa. And I mean, I, I think that, is certainly in the cards still definitely the quarterback situation changes that a bit, but I mean, I, I don't think Nebraska has anything that they need to feel badly about um, from the way they played at Wisconsin. Let's just go ahead and dive into that quarterback situation. Then uh, Adrian Martinez potentially played his last game for Nebraska at camp Randall in Madison. Um, you know, you got the, you got a, a pretty full showing there. Adrian showed off uh, a little bit his playmaking ability, and he wasn't as aggressive running the football, but showed you what he could do there. And then, of course, you had a pair of interceptions that both kind of felt like throws that got away from him more than anything else. But he he put up the numbers. He put up the the kind of performance that leads you uh, to, to just sort of reaffirm what we know about Adrian Martinez. But he will not be playing against Iowa. It is uh, the fourth year in which he will not have played all 12 games for Nebraska and will miss a start here. And that opens the door for Logan Smothers and potentially Heinrich Harbour. Brian, you were, you were in the press conference when Scott Frost announced this. You talked to Frost again on Wednesday. What is your, what's your general sense of how they feel about Logan Smothers over there? Well, the one thing they really like about Logan is, you know, he's a coach's son and there's that, stereotype that goes with that but it's often true about you know they they just have an understanding of the game because they've been around it since they were five years old uh really closely and the one thing that frost does not think is going to happen to smothers is he's not going to be overwhelmed by you know basically what he's seeing and processing what he's seeing now the question is and it has always been the question people have wondered what's behind the curtain with logan smothers the passer and is he a guy who can make those throws and can, I think Nebraska's best weapons on this team are on the perimeter. 
you know, and you've got Austin Allen, that obviously at tight end, but, you know, Toure's have had some huge games um, of late. And, you know, Xavier Betts is a guy, you know, you need to make a play and, and those guys, but, you know, can Smothers, can he get the ball out to him and, and make those kind of throws against a defense that has a knack for picking quarterbacks off and, and, you know, if that ball's in the air, they go get it. So uh, it's kind of a scary first team to start against, I think, for Logan and Smothers. I think they're going to use his feet a lot. I think they're going to run him heavily. And uh, I think his, his speed will at times probably be something that Iowa has to adjust to. I think that's one of the assets of his game. Where, uh, Brunch, where do you think that um, that Logan Smothers can challenge Iowa? Obviously, BC was talking about the speed there, but this is an Iowa defense that for all the things that we've seen out of Nebraska's offense, for as many yards as they put up on Wisconsin, for as well as they tend to play against some other teams, Iowa, at least the last two years, has really bottled Nebraska up. Is there is there an element to Logan Smothers that could help the Huskers here on Saturday? I was I've been Friday. They play on Friday. <laughs> I I've been thinking about whether Nebraska is going to be able to move the pocket with Logan Smothers because I feel like I feel like that's one area where Nebraska could potentially stress Iowa and what we don't know I guess apart from that one kind of throw on the run that he had I I forget if it was against Fordham or Buffalo but what kind of passer Logan Smothers is when he's on the move and I think that giving him the option to run or pass with it I think that might be a recipe for success I mean it's I'd say, yeah, you know, he can probably lean on, you know, try to get the running game going, but we don't know who the hell the running back's going to be this week. I mean, it could be I – mean, do we know? Like, it, it's – No. You, do, you basically put, like, ping pong balls in the bingo caller thing and pull one out, and that's your starting running back at this point. So – and I don't, I don't know that Nebraska's be able to just crank it at Iowa anyways, but I think with Smothers, you probably have to – at least threaten the, the run and, and see if you can establish that. And then maybe that opens things up. I mean, this, this to me seems like a game where Austin Allen, Travis Vokalek, maybe Thomas Fedoni are going to be really, really important in kind of those intermediate routes. We saw Austin Allen have the best single. We game. did. Yes. There you go. Do you, do you want a victory lap here? No, I'm good. You sure? Yeah, I'm all right. You, those days are numbered. You only get to pick them to click one more time. I know, that's different. That's a different podcast. Okay, well, I mean, that's two, two days we're, from now, we're talking about Austin Allen in this podcast, and he had he had a fantastic game against uh, Wisconsin, and I believe that is a single game record for a tight end for yardage. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Hundred forty three. Now has single season reception record, uh, and he has a chance if he can get fourteen yards against Iowa on Friday who have the single-season yardage record. Austin Allen is departing, however. He is going to take his chances with the NFL draft. BC, how would you look back on Austin Allen's time at Nebraska, and, and what has he given the Huskers, besides now being a, a multi, uh, multi-record multi holder? At the I, feel, I feel like all of us here from the get-go, when he came out of Aurora, always thought he was going to be a really good player. 
And there was a couple of years where you had to hold that stock and kind of defend it a little bit, like early on, you know, there was like, what, is this going to happen or not? And people were kind of taking shots at the, you know, I, I don't think people were actually taking shots at me for holding Austin Allen's stock. That's an exaggeration. Uh, but, you know, there was some. There... Shout to you for being out on Jack Stoll for so long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> NFL tight end Jack Stoll. It wasn't like people were like, hey, man, I can't believe you have that Austin Allen stock. <laughs> but, uh, Look I do at him. Look at him hold it. <laughs> there was there was skepticism though. You would have to say after the first couple of years, and I think he had a couple injury things too. Uh, but this year is what we had always hoped would happen with him. And you know, for so long around here, it was almost like a joke where we would write this off, like ten off season stories. Is the tight end going to finally bust out? You know, and. Uh, everybody would kind of snicker when they read it and say, yeah, we've heard that before and it happened. So um, I think he probably made the right decision. I'll be honest um, on Monday when he met the media, he was, he was not giving away his cards. Cause he really, you have to think he was close to knowing what he was going to do, but he sort of made it seem like the decision could take a while. And I wrote a story saying as such, um, but you know, he, I think he's going to be at least a mid round draft pick because uh, we've seen how tight ends tight ends are not your uh, 1984 stodgy, you know, stand them up type tight ends in college and pro football. It's a, uh, it's a fun world with those guys and a guy who's six, eight, six, nine, uh, and, and has his skill set. It's going to be pretty attractive. Brunt. Yeah. I mean, I think it was the right move for him. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else he could show this year that he hasn't already. I mean, I, I think, you know, he's shown that he's a durable tight end that can can block, um, which I think was kind of one thing he really had to work on. Um, I always go back to Austin Allen when he committed that day at Nebraska's football practice to Mike Riley. And Austin Allen's a very lanky, hulking kind of guy and kind of enveloped tiny little Mike Riley in a big, a big hug as he committed, which always just makes me laugh. But, I, I mean, I think he's a guy that I, I always appreciated his honesty and the fact that he was the captain in a very difficult year. I mean, that when, when you start talking about senior day and guys that are coming back or not, I mean, I, I, I have a very deep appreciation for some of these leaders on this team the last couple of years, the questions they've had to answer when, you know, there really are no answers to why this thing has not clicked yet. So I, uh, I, I wish him the best. I think it's the right move. I, I was, I would have been floored if he would have come back again for another season. So best luck to Austin Allen. And I will be picking him to click once again in the, the hype cast when uh, that is recorded at 4 a.m. on Friday. If we can pry ourselves away from Thanksgiving leftovers long enough to do it. Yes. Uh, I, I really have always sort of appreciated, um, you know, his candor in those interviews. I mean, he was not afraid to let you know when he was unhappy with how things had went. He wasn't afraid to basically kind of say that the offense wasn't working in, in a way that it, it should. I, I've always really admired him for that and appreciated him for that and uh, wish him nothing but the best as he moves forward. And I guess it sort of leads me to this. I feel like Travis Vokalek will be returning for a senior season. And with Thomas Fedoni potentially getting healthy and having the spring to, to, to 
continue to work towards replacing Austin Allen. I still feel like tight end is going to be a good position for the Huskers uh, for, you know, whether it's Adrian Martinez or Logan Smothers, Heinrich Harburg, or whoever is a quarterback uh, as they move forward. So this is one of those spots where you lose a guy, but they're about as well positioned to replace Austin Allen as, as they possibly could. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to miss a beat there. And that, and that's one position I think where if you, if you look at where you can find Austin Allen type players, I mean, obviously maybe not a guy that's six foot nine, but I mean, tight ends maybe don't grow on trees, but you can find them pretty easily in this area. And I feel like that's one position, especially if Sean Becton is continuing to coach that group that you're not going to see a drop off there. And I, and, and I think vocal can have, a similar type breakout year to what Austin Allen's had the last couple of years. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about Nebraska basketball and the, uh, the Huskers who have now won three straight after dropping two out of their first three games. Are they fixed? Are they new and improved? Do they have issues? I see some head shaking. We'll, uh, we'll get to the bottom of those questions and more when we return here on the Husker 24 seven podcast. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are back, and we are here to talk about Nebraska basketball. Look, I know not uh, not everyone is privy to the view that I have, but upon asking, are they back, are they fixed, there was some real sashaying, if you will, of the heads from left to right, uh, <laughs> from one Michael Brunston, one Brian Christofferson. So it sounds like Nebraska, who sits at 4-2 and two right now with wins over Tennessee State and Southern, Idaho State after losing to Creighton uh they've still got some work to do what what have you seen Brian Christopherson from this Nebraska basketball team and if you can is there any reason for optimism for this group 
as we move into a very difficult stretch, starting with NC State next week? Yeah, I think the optimism is that I believe that Fred Hoiberg believes, who knows a lot about this game, that he actually has the shooters. Like, I really think he's convicted, like, that is a true belief. And he, because he keeps going back to it, he's like, we're going to take the lid off this thing. And he says it in that way where, you, you know, you kind of like, you know that this guy has seen enough stuff behind the scenes where he's like, I've seen these guys make these shots. He talks about how they've charted all the shooters since the summer and most everyone's shooting more than 40%, you know, beyond the arc and all that stuff. And yet, here through the first, you know, six games, I think they're shooting 26% from three point range yesterday or whenever the, you know, I don't, when this is running, but on Tuesday, they beat Tennessee state, who is not a good team, 79, 73. And they were 22 of 28 inside the arc. Like that's amazing. But they were uh, six of 25 beyond it. And there were some bad shots thrown up and some shots, even if they were good shots, that weren't close and some guys who we thought were going to sort of be gunners on this team have really scuffled so far. Uh, Tom and is one of them. And, you know, CJ Wilcher has been okay. Um, so I think it's, you're, you're hoping that Fred Hoiberg is just right. And that it's just been a slow start out of the gates with the shooting and they actually have the guys and it's going to click here very soon. It needs to, cause uh, it's got to cover up some other deficiencies. I've been surprised at how willing guys are to hoist bad shots. Like, I guess it seems to me that things are starting to trend in a positive direction with Alonzo Verge and Kobe Webster being able to get guys shots. And I feel like Fred can draw things up and run things for guys to get them open. But just within the flow, natural flow of the offense, there just has not been enough ball movement to where you're actually getting, you know, CJ Wilcher open for a shot who can actually has made three pointers with some kind of regularity. I mean, it just feels like you're either getting a lot of deep three pointers or very strongly contested three pointers. I mean, we've seen a couple go off the side of the backboard. I mean, that it's, it's not a good picture right now, but like Brian said, against teams that you should be, you're getting to the rim, but you know, it's with what's ahead on the schedule, you, you got to get that figured out somehow. You got, you got to, if not back to the performance they had against Colorado, but you got to look like a functioning offense more than half the time. Yeah. It, it it's just a really, this is a stupid analysis thing. Uh, it's not even really analysis, they're just not fun to watch. The, you know, through, what are they, six games in at this point? Like, they they have such few stretches where it's like, oh, this seems like a team that is enjoyable or even enjoy playing together at times. Like, they just have this – there's somewhat of an off-putting vibe that comes out of this better now than it was in the first couple games. And I just wonder if that's just some of the reality of life when you have to live in the transfer portal as much as this program has – in the last few years like you just I don't know there there's just certain things where it just feels sometimes where there's no chemistry like uh particularly with help defense or with, with sort of the effort type stuff that you see with rebounds and everything else it's like everyone else is just sort of expecting that other people on the court are going to handle it 
and it just you watch it enough times and it's just kind of like it it's just difficult to to sort of expect that it's going to get a lot better I, I agree a lot with what brian said i mean for nebraska to kind of fix some of what ails it they're just going to have to outscore teams which is a weird life to live but um that can make up some of the difference of the fact that they're just not going to be a good rebounding team. And maybe defensively they lack a little bit, especially without Trey McGowan's. So, um, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I also, Alonzo Verge is obviously a huge part of this discussion. Um, and I understand why people were really frustrated the first few games because he was just yeah, he played pretty well the last couple of times. Out yeah. He, it looks different than it did against Western Illinois for sure. Yeah, and that's what I kind of was going to get to. I think he was, you know, he was dribbling the air out of the ball in the first few games and um, missed some. He honestly just missed some layups too when he got to the hoop. But uh, you know, he wasn't giving it like Fred Hoiberg wanted him to. Um, but I also think Hoiberg knows and that staff knows that if there is any chance that this thing's going to take off here, that with this particular team he's got to be a piece of the puzzle. Like that's got to be a piece that gets figured out and he's got to be really good. And, you know, honestly against Tennessee state might've been in a pickle in that game without him, you know, they might, might've been on the wrong end of it. He played one of his best games. So um, as frustrating as the start was, I, that's been promising. CJ Wilcher has been promising. Derek Walker's playing his butt off. I would say, um, but they, they need some more from some other guys. Lats kind of struggled, you know, to really find it. Um, Tabanaga hasn't been that guy yet. Um, so, yeah, there's there's some stuff that, that worries you a little bit. Bryce is scoring, but, you know, he there's some bad shots that are in the mix of, there that sometimes make you shake your head too. I thought it was interesting. Fred said that, he, that, that Bryce has been bailing out on his jump shot. And that that's like something that they are currently working on with him to get fixed. Because, I mean, I, I'm usually the first person you come to to analyze a jump shot, but it seems mm-hmm. that the shots that he's taking are, I don't know, like they, they just looked so forced. I mean, he, he's one guy that, you know, can make it from outside, but it just doesn't doesn't seem like there's any kind of flow or continuity to it. I made a really bad metaphor comparison on Schaefer's um, show today about an orchestra and the timpanis, <laughs> the timpanis being bad. Hmm. And it's just, it, there's pieces that work, but they're just not all working together. You're using it again though. So you must've thought it was pretty good. Well, I just like to use, I, I like the, the confusion when I use timpanis. That was kind of fun. <laughs> Yeah, I, you were saying it this morning, and I was just trying to like, okay, I can follow this a little bit. Yeah, uh, yep. but you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of orchestra knowledge, really. Yeah, it's just that? that they play music. And- What's that movie with the drummer who has the guy who's like Bobby Knight? Um, you know, like the the music teachers. The Whiplash. Yeah, that's a good movie. That was what I was thinking of when you were saying that that movie. <laughs> you thinking of jk simmons yeah just good movie faster until like he's bleeding from his fingers because of the the drumsticks it's a music movie about bobby knight um anybody who hasn't seen it should go see it wait like a musical 
No, it's a guy. Uh, guys and dolls. Would you, would you call it family friendly? Yeah, I think like so. A heartwarming holiday movie. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't tell you. I wouldn't tell your wife that, like you got to take Hallmark Channel off to watch it. But uh, it's a it's a it's a good movie about this this guy who's like in an intense um, musical school, and the guy is sort of like a, a teacher who's kind of like he's like Bobby Knight. Like he gets he throws stuff at him and challenges them and he gets something out of them but it's a little uh it's a little too far go go check it out go rent it at blockbuster (laughs) i'll I'll put i'll put it it's uh i'll I'll see if they have it on friday uh for some reason that made me think of going to the grocery store as a kid and like going and picking out the movie while my mom was shopping for for, uh, a segment of people my age there was always a you had to get there early on Friday because somebody was probably going to rent Tecmo Super Bowl before you got there, and they'd have that damn thing for the whole weekend. And mm-hmm. you'd, you'd have to settle on like Paperboy or something like that. Hey, don't don't dog Paperboy. Paperboy for, it's fine in small doses, but for a full weekend, it's a lot. Skater die. Enjoy the the just uniqueness of delivering paper or papers with calamity happening all around you. <laughs> And the inability to go backwards, Brunts. The most dangerous street in America. <laughs> it just never ends. So here's here's a question for you guys, and we can end on this. So it seems that perhaps a decision has been made by either Adrian Martinez or Scott Frost about their relationship for 2022. There seem to be videos rolling out pretty regularly of, of seniors and guys thanking people in the program. Do you guys think that by this time next week we have a decision on Adrian Martinez and what is it? Uh, I I kind of wonder if you wouldn't have an Adrian decision until you know who the offensive coordinator is and potentially the quarterbacks coach. It'd be kind of hard to imagine that he comes back sight unseen with whoever the new OC is or the new quarterbacks coach is. Um, and I guess I sort of would wonder if he would leave until he knows who's going to be in that role as well. I'm still fairly doubtful. I still believe that he played his last game against, uh, or for Nebraska against Wisconsin. That's generally where I'm at right now on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, I think we'll know. Um, I think he knows. Scott Frost today, the way he talked, it was really interesting. It just, it seemed like, like that decision was maybe made. Um, I don't know for sure what's going to happen. I sort of think he's played his last game at Nebraska too. You know, there's an interesting dynamic here. If you think about it, if Adrian Martinez wanted to play somewhere else for one more year and he went in the portal, he would be like the hottest, he would be the well, like the hottest QB name in the portal. He would be, because he'd be like a four-year starter and there'd be people like, I can I can work around the interceptions. We can get that taken out of him. You know, just the same way a lot of pro, you know, I think a lot of pro personnel are with college guys where they, they see the tools and they think I can work with that. Um, he would be a hot item in the portal. And it's just, I it's one of those things in college sports that is just part of it now where guys who are going, are going to, <laughs> they might be unpopular with some in the fan base at one school, and when they go in the portal, they'll immediately become like every, you know, I guess this is a, this is a mean description, but one person's trash or one person's garage sale stuff is another person's treasure. That's what the, that's what the transfer portal is, uh, is going to turn into or is. 
a five or six, somebody's five or six suddenly looks like somebody else's nine or 10. I think that's the way it plays out. And, uh, you know, Nebraska is going to do that with some guys. They're going to have some guys that they come into this program who somebody else wasn't happy with for something. And uh, we're going to be writing stories about how they're going to turn it around in March or April. If I know this place and us or me, (laughs) (laughs) I, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, so you have Tom Brady with the Bucks. You have Peyton Manning played with the Broncos. Like, you you kind of get these guys, they finish their career somewhere else. And then I was thinking as it related with Nebraska players, like, it would be really weird if Adrian is just on a different team next year and you're perusing the channels, you land on it. And I don't know, like, for example, he's the quarterback in the middle of this uh, this Utah versus Oregon game or this, you know, Kansas State versus Oklahoma and he's he's got like the purple on and he's the latest quarterback to upset Oklahoma with all their issues with with Kansas State and you're like (laughs) you know it's one thing Wondell Robinson that happens and it's kind of like okay whatever it didn't that didn't throw me the first time I see Adrian if this happens the way that it could happen like playing for somebody else it's going to be jarring in a way that you know you get used to in professional sports but it's weird to think that Nebraska's all-time yardage leader would have another season and he's just going to spend it somewhere else playing for someone else. Like, it's, it, it's sort of hard to kind of wrap your head around that. I was thinking, like, in recent memory, players that would have been super jarring seeing somewhere else, like Amir Abdullah just playing running back for Auburn uh, in, in, like, 2014 instead of spending that year with Nebraska or, or whatever. I mean – it, it, there's just certain players who have just been really wild to see them with that last year somewhere else. It, it has the only, like even professionally, like the most jarring thing I can think of was when Favre went to the Vikings. Like that, that, that to me still does like not, does not compute. Do you know what's weird about that? So you, you have, you have Favre with the Vikings, you have Manning with the Broncos, you have, um, uh, yeah, Brady with the Bucks. We'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. But like those really sort of elite, you know them with one team quarterback. They all have like that one last run with another program. It's yeah. not like they just go off and die somewhere like Willie Mays with the Mets. You know, it's like they they actually have like a relevant career finish for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he can get. So what sent- I'm saying is Adrian Martinez is putting someone in the college football playoff next year. That's that's what I'm leading up to. He's predicting San Diego State going to some really good bowl. Brady Hoke doing media <laughs> interviews. I'm sure you'd enjoy that. <laughs> oh, uh, are we done? Is, yeah, is Brady so. our signal we need to be out of here. Yeah, Brady Hoke wants to be done. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, everyone have a great Thanksgiving. If you don't want to spend time with your family, you can always spend time with us at Husker 24-7. The message board will not shut down for the holiday. We're not a bank. We don't take days off. You can be there whenever you want, however long you want, and as long as you hang within the rules, we don't throw you out. So be sure to check out Husker 24-7. We'll have plenty of coverage. I have a visit list coming. Nebraska's going to have at least 50-plus players or recruits on campus, including one long snapper from Georgetown. Snapper! And there you go. So uh, along with some other guys, that list will be up on Thanksgiving Day. 
people will be able to check that out. Uh, of course, we'll have plenty of coverage from the Iowa game. Nebraska basketball plays South Dakota. And I don't know if people know this or not, but at this time next week, coaches will have been on the road recruiting, trying to finish up this 2022 class, trying to get things going for 2023. And maybe there'll be some new assistant coaches to talk about as well. All of that coverage you can find at Husker 24-7. Be sure to check out the Hypecast, which will be dropping at like 5 a.m. on Black Friday. When you're standing in line looking for that 32-inch television that's really going to save your life for the $40 in savings that you'll get out of it. New CBS Monday. Federal agents! Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. About to set it up! New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.